This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's Moranalytics podcast, I have an interview with WKBW TV Channel 7 multimedia journalist, Rebecca Thornburg. We talk about her life and her career one that at 24 years old is just getting started. We talk about her growing up in Massachusetts near Boston. Obviously a fan of all the Boston sports teams. Little spoiled with sports, obviously. We talk about her always wanting to be on TV instead of her own homemade TV show at just 10 years old. We talk about why she went to Syracuse for college, how her opportunity to join WKBW and move to Buffalo, how that came about in 2018 how her and all of her colleagues in the news media world are dealing with the coronavirus, including the challenges of doing news, reporting from home. We hit on social media, her thoughts on living in Buffalo. And I'll tell you what, Becca is a banger when it comes to chicken wing takes. Definitely did not see that coming. I get her heartbroken thoughts on Tom Brady, leaving her beloved Patriots, mini lightning round, much more great stuff, light, informative, and fun with Becca. And I'll have that for you in just a minute. Before that, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by Audimute. For nearly two decades, Audimute has set the standard for providing cutting-edge acoustic treatments for recording and sound environments. From your home studio to commercial settings, such as the office, restaurants, gyms, and auditoriums, Audimute is the best sound treatment company out there. That's because they refuse to compromise on the quality of their products and service ever. Easy, green, affordable. My home studio has Audimute acoustic panels and the difference has literally been remarkable night and day. Look, don't just throw up foam on your walls, decide it looks pretty and call it a day. It might look the part, but it's not going to improve your sound. Visit Audimute.com for info and deals, including a free room analysis form and the ability to speak with an acoustic specialist. Do your sound, do the people who hear it a very big service. Go visit Audimute.com. And on that note, let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, everybody, how are you doing? What's going on today? Episode 208, Moranalytics Podcast. Thank you to everyone out there, as always, for continuing to listen and download the podcast. It means an awful lot to me. Not going to spend a lot of time here at all at the top. I want to get to the interview with Rebecca. I do want to say this, though. Make sure you listen to the entire podcast today. Normally. I have a main interview, then a closing, and the closing typically is me saying the same spiel that I do every episode, and you listen to the main interview, and then you skedaddle. I don't blame you. I would do the same thing, but today, a couple things. I have what I consider anyway a pretty significant announcement about the future of this podcast, so I'm going to have that after the interview, and then also I got some thoughts on everything going on with this coronavirus again, both of those after the interview with Rebecca. And speaking of, this is one of those interviews that I really enjoyed because she is a very positive person. Not going to rehash all the details of our conversation because I already talked about that in the opening intro. But I do have to add, it's just, it's just refreshing to talk to somebody who sees things in such a positive light. Really enjoyed her very much, the conversation. Looking forward to following her career going forward. I think it's going to be a very good one. A rare 
non-sports media interview. Rebecca works in actual news media, not sports media. It's a little something different than I like to do from time to time on this podcast, which again, tune into the very end of this podcast and you'll learn that that might not be that rare going forward after this. But anyway, again, not going to waste any more time. Here it is, a really good chat with Channel 7's Rebecca Thornburg. All right, my guest today is a multimedia journalist for WKBW-TV, Channel 7 in Buffalo. She went to Syracuse University for college and originally from Millbury, Massachusetts, Rebecca Thornburg. What's going on, Rebecca? How are you doing? Great. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to have you on. It's, uh, I've had a couple people from Channel 7 on before, Ashley Rowe, Matt Bovey, Jenna Clary, recent guests on the podcast, so I'm excited to have you on as well in the format going to stay relatively the same, basically giving fans a chance to know a little bit more about you beyond just the work that you do. It's kind of a, a fun format that I like to do. You don't mind talking about yourself, do you? No, it's kind of weird, though, because I feel like sometimes I repeat myself. So I'll try to give some interesting, different facts. <laughs> All right, cool. And for the awesome. most part, we're going to try to keep this as light as possible. Obviously, so much craziness going on in the world today. And obviously yes. a couple of times we'll have to bring it up throughout, but for the most part, let's keep it light and give people just a little bit of a break from having hair about the coronavirus. So seriously, yes. let's, let's go back to the beginning. So you're from Massachusetts. What part of Massachusetts? Mm -hmm. Millbury, correct? Millbury, Massachusetts. It's a very small town right outside of Worcester. I'm about 45, 50 minutes from Boston, depending who's driving and the traffic. What was it like? What was it like for you growing up near Boston? a sports fan being your age, you're in your mid twenties right now. So you've seen an awful lot of championships and a lot of winning in your yeah. lifetime in Boston. Almost, you know, some people might say that Boston fans are a little spoiled seeing you having a parade almost every single year in one of the sports anyway. But what was it like being able to grow up in and see so many great sports teams around you? I want to say I only know greatness and that is because of Boston. And I, I'm so thankful that I was given the best sports childhood anyone could ever imagine. I am extremely cocky when it comes to that, too, because <laughs> they have given me so much happiness. And growing up, too, I was a big daddy's girl. So we always watched sports together. And he was kind of the one that sparked my interest in sports. So I've been watching since I was five years old when Brady led us to our first Super Bowl in 2001. And since then, I feel like I've literally have seen greatness and that is it from all the sports teams not even just the patriots they are my number one love for sure and then the red sox too my grandpa watched every single game no matter what and i was super into the red sox too bruins and celtics i'll admit i'm a little bit of a bandwagon fan when they're doing great i love it and i'll jump on but they're not my number ones but it's still just like to have that winning mentality and to grow up watching all of the awesome fans and it's just crazy because that's what we expected every game I expected to win whether it was Red Sox Patriots Bruins Celtics like we just expected greatness and how can you ask for anything better so 100% I am super cocky when it comes to sports and just the winning of it all but I really loved growing up in my hometown to my parents and I have a twin sister so we were really close and I grew up on a lake too so I was a big outdoors girl just kind of going boating, swimming all the time in the summer, and then the winter ice skating. So it was just really great childhood of sports fandom for sure. And just having fun with my family and friends. And now I'm in Buffalo. Now you have a twin sister. You said how different or how similar are you guys when it comes to everything? Obviously not just looks, just like likes, dislikes, personalities. Right. Are you guys very much alike? Are you, are you guys different? So her name's Robin and I am two minutes older. That's one thing I always start with too. <laughs> um, but it's just so funny because we are the exact same person, but complete opposites at the same time. And I know that makes no sense, but it really is just who we are. I am the outgoing, the loud, the crazy, the competitive one. And she's the chill, fun, but just more calm and smart and really just, quiet way more than I am but it's also 
complements each other. Like we'll go shopping and we'll pick out the same shirts. We have the same likes. But when it comes to our career, I'm a reporter. She's a nurse, like very different. So it's just funny how we have the same interests, but our personalities are very different. I kind of living in Boston. I'm I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you there. I kind of wanted to take a, a, a quick little turn and circle back to the Patriots for a second before we go more into your childhood. Obviously, growing up a big Boston fan here, I would imagine your heart was at least a little bit ripped out when Tom Brady left recently. Now he's with Tampa Bay. What was your initial Uh, reaction? And by the way, for everyone listening, because primarily, obviously, this is a Buffalo podcast, Buffalo sports podcast, mm -hmm. but I love having people on, especially people who work in Buffalo who aren't originally from Buffalo because I think it brings all different cultures and likes to the city. You should be completely unapologetic because this is where you grew up. So you're obviously you're a fan of this team, but to see a a legend quite possibly, if not definitely the greatest quarterback who's ever played in the NFL, leave the team and Uh go down South to Tampa. What was like your initial reaction? It'd be kind of gut wrenching. You're bringing back all of my emotions again. My misery (laughs) of that day. Cause you know what that day also was? It was St. Patrick's day. And that's also my birthday. So my role model the person I have looked up to my whole life, the person that has given me sports greatness, so much happiness, the, all the confidence in the world just left. And it was while all this coronavirus is happening and there's deaths and there's uncertainty and anxiety. It was like the perfect storm of just like, oh, my God. And I remember I was in the car driving back from a story I was working and I parked the car and I hear it on the radio from 98.5 Nicholas Piccolis and they're celebrating it. And I totally get it. The whole nation, this brightened their day. <laughs> like this made them so happy. So I'm, I'll give it to them. Like it made them happy. New England, all we wanted to do was go to a bar. All we wanted to do was just cry all day. It didn't make the situation better. But just hearing, I just started crying and which is a little dramatic. Some people say, but he really meant so much to the New England fan base. He gave us so much. And he was such a great role model with everything he did from his TB12 method of eating healthy, giving it 100% all the time, no matter what, and just winning and being so clutch in every game situation. Oh, it was just, it was a lot to take in. I immediately called my dad and just started crying and we talked it out and just like, it's okay. Like, he gave us amazingness and now he can move on and we can move on too. But it was, it was the initial just like stinger. And then all day, I'm not kidding all day. Everyone was like, happy birthday. I can't believe Tom Brady did that to you or happy birthday. Oh, what a terrible day. Huh? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. It was really not a great day. <laughs> and I, I got over my sadness though. Cause a lot of people are like, why aren't you mad? And I'm like, I can't be mad. The guy gave me six ranks. He was amazing. So I can't be mad at him. It's just, it's just not how I wanted him to leave on a pick six as his last play as a Patriot. Like talk about the worst case scenario, but will I be a Tampa Bay fan? That's like the other question in my head. Like for me, especially since I'm 24, Tom Brady is the only thing I've known from the Patriots. Tom Brady and the Patriots are synonymous to me. You know what I mean? It's are Tom Brady, Tom Brady's Patriots. So even for my friends, we've been talking about it. Like, are we super big Patriots fans now? Or are we Tom Brady fans? Like they're just so together. And now that they're apart, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like it's an identity crisis almost. Cause I'm like, wait, what? Obviously I love the Patriots and they are my team, but I'm sure going to root for Brady. A lot of people are like, Nah, nah, I'm not a fan anymore. He left us, he left us. But no, he gave us everything. And I'm still like a Tom Brady fan. It's just weird. He's not a Patriot, you know? (laughs) I don't, I can't, I can't picture it. I kind of like had my misery on St. Patrick's Day and then trying to forget about it. And then once I see him in that Bucks jersey, I'm just, it's all going to flood back to me. But I'm just like, it's going to be so, so weird. I think for everyone, you know, it's just not what I wanted. Obviously I wanted him to ride off into the sunset after the Rams Super Bowl in 2018. That would have been perfect, you know, but now he's going out on a pick six and then joining another team on us at 43 years old. (laughs) 
It is. I'll tell you what, it, having losing a quarterback or somebody that you're connected to in sports, sure, it can bring out a lot of emotion for you. Now, the circumstances in Buffalo in the 90s with Jim Kelly were a little different because he didn't end up playing on another team. He retired after right. an injury. But like you said, Tom Brady's last throw in New England for all his glory, all of his rings was right. a pick six. So that kind of each had a little uh. bit. In, in the case of Jim Kelly, he got hurt in his last playoff game and then retired again. Very emotional. And I'm sure a lot right. of Bills fans if nothing else can relate to that. Now, one thing I know about you from reading up is that you pretty much have always wanted to be on TV. When you were like 10 yeah. years old, you started your own show called The Rebecca Show at 10 years old. Tell us a yep. little bit about that. And, and if you knew that this was something that you wanted to do, even at such a young age, how did you know that this was something you wanted to do so young? Yeah, it's funny because that I've literally grown up knowing what I want to do. Um, just with my family. It's just funny how it all works out. Every day after school, I'd come home and watch Oprah with my mom. And I loved Oprah. She was, she's always been a role model of mine. And then watch football on Sundays with my dad. And there was, I remember it so clearly. There was like one day we're watching and there's a reporter, a woman reporter on. I wish I knew who it was, but I don't. And my dad's like, we were talking about careers. Like, what do you want to do? I was like, oh, I'll be a lawyer. Oh, I'll be a teacher. Like had no passion. And then my dad's like, why don't you be the girl on TV? And since then, it's just, that's what I wanted to do. I originally wanted to do sports broadcasting. So that's been kind of my trajectory. And I went to college for sports, was going to do sports, and then got this job in news. So now I'm in news. But um, always wanted to do sports broadcasting. And then the Rebecca show, it was just my sister had a camera, you know, when digital cameras were super cool back mm -hmm. in, like... 2009 and we would just film and just have a good time and I had a whole season of the Rebecca show of how to do things and then we had a second season and it was just the stupidest things my sister and I would do just to have fun with it you know and then it turned into wait this is really fun because I love the editing I loved the shooting of it I loved planning like okay what are we going to do what do you think people are going to want to watch like it was just obviously no one saw it besides my family and I you know Robin and I talk about it all the time. We could have been the first YouTube stars. And that was a missed opportunity on our part. We could have been the first YouTubers, the first vloggers. I'll let it go for now. But it's like, it just kind of started. And then throughout high school, did video productions classes, did journalism classes, and loved it. And then Syracuse was the dream school. And the rest is history. Now you wanted, did you want to go to Syracuse 100% all the way or were there other schools that you considered going to? One thing I like having on when I have a sports media person on or a news media person for that matter, the college choices, because I feel like by then you kind of shape what you want to do. But I've also heard a lot of stories. Some of the biggest success stories, people got rejected at three, four, five different colleges and ended up going somewhere else with you. Was it Syracuse 100% were there other schools you considered or wanted to go to? So I really wanted to stay home and go to Boston. Like I thought, I thought this was all thinking, oh, Boston, like I would love to go to a Boston school. Didn't really apply to that many after I visited them because I didn't actually like them and didn't like the city vibes. And then the minute I went to Syracuse, I fell in love. I was totally sold on the campus, the academics, obviously, and just like the school life, the school spirit was just sold. So the minute I went to Syracuse, I was like, that is where I want to go and did everything I possibly could to go there. And at first I got in and it was like, Oh my God, oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't get into Newhouse and Newhouse is the journalism school there. Right. And I was crushed because obviously it's a very expensive school and I wasn't going to make my myself or my parents pay for something like that where I'm not getting the degree I want to. So it was a big thing. And we talked about it with alumni too. And they told me how you can transfer in. So I got into their general like liberal arts school and then just had to get a very, very high GPA and I'd be able to transfer into Newhouse my sophomore year. So I was like, you know what? We're going to take this chance. I got a bunch of financial aid. So I was like, okay, let's do it. This is my dream school. Let's go for it. And my parents were incredible and just let me kind of make that decision on my own and was so supportive with it 100%. And I worked my butt off my freshman year. I was all about school, have never cared about anything more than just getting good grades because that's all that mattered. Didn't even matter the extracurriculars, nothing. It was just get good grades and you will transfer into new house. Got a 3-9, 2-0, 2-1, 2-2, 2-3, 2-4, 2-5, 2-6, 2-7, 2-8, 2-9, 2-10, 2-11, 2-12, 2-13, 
two because I got an A minus in astronomy and I'm still mad about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then just went throughout school at Newhouse and was so thankful that it is such a great program and the experience they gave me was awesome. Now, before we get into your job at Channel 7, what are some of the things <laughs> that you did with within Syracuse or internships, any internships that help you get prepared for where you are today in life? Honestly, the best thing anyone can do if they want to get into sports broadcasting and reporting is that experience is just getting jobs within it or just filming yourself. Like the more you do it, the much better you are. I did it. I did online, um, not online, on campus media with Citrus TV and the Orange Television Network. Of course, like big media school has all these extra activities for sure. Excuse me. Then went to sports games too, which was fun and just kind of tried to make as much as we could with what we had with those media outlets. And they were literally like TV news networks. It was, it was awesome. The ACC network joined Syracuse my senior year. So that was really cool. I was kind of a part of helping that kind of start right at Syracuse. That was awesome. Um, then in my sophomore year, I got an internship with WEI sports radio in Boston. And that was an awesome internship. I didn't get paid, but that's okay. I got credit for it. Um, and it was just so cool to be around radio legends like Dale Arnold and Michael Hawley down in Boston and just learning from them every day. Like what's important. Okay. What are we going to talk about today? What do people care about? Oh my gosh. Are Boston fans so critical of their media? It is insane, but I loved it. Cause it was like, so much fun and just to be around the guys you know talking sports it was it was really an eye-opening and learned a lot that summer and then my junior year I like to say I had a mid-college crisis where I was like I don't know if I want to be a reporter maybe I rushed into this I don't know and I loved advertising and marketing because yeah. I took a few classes in it and was like oh wait I like this so I got an internship with Fox Sports PR in New York City and that was, I'm, I hate New York City. I'll never live there again because it's dirty and gross and just too much. But I learned a lot that summer where it officially kind of clicked like, no, you meant to be a reporter. I can't be behind a desk all day. PR is awesome. Advertising is great. But for me, I needed more. I needed to be filming, editing, kind of doing things rather than just behind the scenes of writing and such. So yeah, just get involved as much as you can. Now, you joined Channel 7 in Buffalo, June of 2018. How did that opportunity come about? Like, what was that process like for you to be able to join WKBW? So, Syracuse has this awesome program. They've partnered with WKBW. This is going on the fourth year or fifth year. Um, what they do is they go to Syracuse and kind of pitch to us a job. Like, we are fully employees. They take four seniors right out of school. And they kind of throw you in and they show you how to be a reporter. It's not an internship. It's we are full time employees, but they kind of hold our hand a little bit. They show us how to do things. They really like coach us, too. It's more of like a learning, but you're an employee and it's supposed to be for one year. And then you can go to any other station within the Scripps Media that Scripps Media owns WKBW and a bunch of different stations around the nation. So I'm a senior and the other bonus of this, not only do you get a job in reporting in Buffalo, which is a great market out of all the markets, it's number 52 now. Yeah. 52, but they also pay for your rent for an entire year. So I was like, um, where's the catch here? Like, and they're <laughs> like, no, it's really that great. Like if you want to be a reporter, this is the job to have. And it 100% was, so I was like, oh my gosh, of course I want this. Like, this is perfect because you get to be in a great market, a great place, a rent paid for for a year, and then work and learn exactly what you want to learn and experience what you want. So I was like, all right, let's try it. Totally had no idea I was going to get it. It was just like all of my stuff from college, of course, was just college. The real, my experience was just like, not that great, but I ended up getting it and was over the moon. And that full year, they call it the JCP program, the journalism career program. It was the best experience. We literally just got thrown in and you just, 
hit the ground running. And that experience, I learned more in that one year than I did in four years in college. I'm not going to lie because it was just the experience of everyday reporting, making deadline, writing, making sure it's a good story. Are you a good photographer or not? Can you edit quickly? So loved it. And then they renewed my contract. So I'm on my second year now. Let me ask you this. One of the things that first actually helped me discover you and and that I admire about you is that you totally get and understand how the importance of branding. You have your own website, BeccaThornburg.com. Really good, by the way. You know, you oh, got, you thank got, you. You're welcome. You got a blog up there, some videos, lots of cool stuff. That's what I'm getting at. Or what was your reasoning for starting your own website? And I, again, I would assume that branding is a big part of it and probably a decent amount of work that goes into keeping up with something like that as well. Yes. So I remember when you're in college, you are doing something every single moment of the day, it feels like, and you're just packed with stuff. And then getting a job, I'm packed throughout my job, but then I don't get homework. I don't have extracurriculars. I don't have like my clubs. So I'd come home from work every day and like sit on my couch or go to the gym and just be like, wait, where's my, where's my stuff? Like, what do I do? So I was like, you know what? Like I have this platform. I love taking videos. I love just filming. So why not just start a vlog. It was kind of like really popping up to YouTube vloggers, people watching and making money off of it too. I was like, wait, this could be my side hustle too. Like, why not? Also like improve my skills and also give me something to do too. So that's kind of how it started. And I was just like, I'm Becca. Like, this is going to be me. I'm just going to show my life as a reporter and what I do and what I like. And it kind of just went from there. And then I just had a bunch of fun with it. That's pretty much all I want to do with it. It's nothing too serious. It's not me. Well, it's me as a professional, but also just me as me too, you know, whatever I can get my hands on, just trying to travel, show people and just use my skills and my creativity as best I can on a YouTube channel, just being Becca, you know? So that's kind of how it started. And I've just kind of ran with it. It's fun. And again, you, so you started it primarily out of, out of boredom. Literally. It was like, what do, what do I do with myself? Like I need something to do and this is what I can do. So why not? Let's try it. And I also wanted to experiment a little bit too, because I love social media. I love advertising and like the PR side of things. So I'm almost doing it as like an experiment for myself too, just to learn more about social media and websites and how they work and trafficking on YouTube. And I find that so fascinating. So it's also like kind of learning through it too. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I can totally relate to that. I spent my entire life pretty much in Buffalo. And then I moved down to Florida and within six to nine months after, you know, the pretty palm trees and the beaches, those are always <laughs> going to be fun and great, but it's a little boring for somebody like me anyway. So I kind of started first a blog and then eventually yeah. this podcast, I, I did it out of boredom. I mean, it grew into a big right passion thing, but originally, yeah, kind of the same deal with you started out of boredom. Now you mentioned social media. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. What's your take on social media? Because it's like a a double-edged sword. On one hand, you have the opportunity, an amazing opportunity to connect with your audience on a more personal level. You just spoke of that. And obviously, you know, you get your stories out quick, instantly, the world can Mm -hmm. see it in a matter of seconds, but, and I'm sure you've probably, and if you haven't, trust me, you're going to experience that there there's an ugly side to Twitter as well with trolls and just mean spirited people, people who are out there and their only purpose is to incite reactions, whether it's, you know, celebrities, movie stars, athletes, media, Mm -hmm. anyone really. So how do you Mm -hmm. balance that? Have you, have you encountered some of that negativity on this? Just say for an example, Twitter right now, how do you balance that? And what's your general overall thoughts on social media? Now, being younger, 24 years old, kind of getting your career started, you understand better than a lot of people who've been around for a long time that this is the way it is today. It's social media. And if you're not good at it, you're not going to last in this business. Right. So you get that. But you still got to have a balance too, correct? For sure. That's a really good way to say it. It's just a balance too. You don't want to put out too much. You want to think before you tweet too. Um, Just that's like the one thing I like to think about is just, think before you tweet, this is your professional account, but it's also who you are. What do you want to, if someone didn't know you on the street and they only knew you from Twitter, who would they want to 
would they want to interact with you? What's their first impression of you? And that's kind of something I always have in the back of my head. It's just like Twitter is your representation of you. Twitter is your reputation. Instagram is. Facebook is. So it's pretty much just you giving yourself to the public. And I think social media too, I've definitely had my wave of criticisms no matter what I've done. And I take it with a grain of salt. I don't know why. I just never take it super, super seriously because I know they're hiding behind a computer. Would they say it to my face? Absolutely not. But I think that's just how I grew up too. I grew up in the social media world and just knowing it like the back of my hand and loving it too. So for me, I try not to post anything that's very controversial, but of course, no matter what, someone is going to say something and you kind of just, I just take it with a grain of salt and try to just blow it off or like try to do something better or maybe think about that the next time, you know, but I think each platform too has its own voice for myself too. That's what I really like to do is like my Instagram is more like my vlog and my vlog and just kind of me as a person, me at home me trying to have fun. Twitter is more the professional trying to get my stories out there to show people, Hey, this is what I'm doing every day. Click on this article. This can help you more local too. But I also think Twitter is just an eco chamber of journalists, to be honest. It's not really anyone in the public. It's more just journalists talking to each other. And I get a lot of story ideas and just how people do things. You get inspired by Twitter a lot too. And it's just funny. Like the memes on there are it's for sports memes, to be honest. And I, I love it so much. But then Facebook is mostly the platform for my news brand and just my news personality of posting, okay, updates, what's going on, what story I'm doing today. And that's kind of where you really see the most community-based, where they like my page, where they like WKBW, and kind of that's where you really interact with the community more. So I'm definitely way more censored and way more more thinking about what I'm posting when I'm on Facebook more than anyone else, because I really do feel like Facebook, you get the most audience, especially with news and just the community as a whole as well. Yeah, for sure. Now, when it comes to your job, it's impossible to have a discussion about your career right now and not mention the coronavirus, what's going on. So obviously everybody in this country, to some extent is being affected by this in some, some way, some, some shape, some form, whether it's physically or just in the way, you know, you have to live your life. And I'm sure with multimedia journalists or just anyone in the media period, that rings very Uh much true. Has this had an effect yet, at least anyway, when it comes to how you're able to do your job as a reporter? And if so, like what changes are having to be made right now? Oh yeah. I'm working from home as a reporter. I am working from home. Did I ever think I would say those words? No, my job is to talk to people and I can't go out and socialize. It's so weird. It has totally turned our newsroom on its head, but it's also just shown us what we can actually do with what we have. It's incredible. We have mostly every reporter working from home. Most of the anchors working from home, Um, engineering working from home. We just had our weatherman, Aaron Minkowski, work from home. It's just incredible how we're, we've been able to kind of transition to, okay, this is the new reality. We have to make it work. And everyone's just kind of jumped on and jumped together to be like, okay, how do we do this? And thank God for technology. Thank God for computers and what we have because it's we've been doing it. So my schedule has totally changed where I used to wake up at 2.30 in the morning every day for the morning show which was awful, and but you got to do it because I got to get the hair, makeup, ready, go, write my scripts, do the show. Now I have to do everything the day before, send it in so they air it for the morning show. So I wake up at 5 a.m. every day. It's amazing. And I get to that like three hours is awesome. And I get to watch the show. I've never really watched their show from my couch because I'm always in studio. So that's interesting. And then throughout the day, I'm doing FaceTime interviews instead of going out for people. I'm asking people for video instead of getting it myself. That's so weird for me because I'm used (laughs) to just doing it myself. I'm the journalist. You get the video. But it's like, no, I need to rely on other people to send it to me or just taking video from websites. So it really, I think, has totally made reporters and journalists be really creative and 
think outside the box of how you're going to show something, excuse me, or how you're going to do this interview, how you're going to set it up. So it's challenging in so many ways, but I think almost there's one positive. It's challenging us to be way more creative than I think we could have ever imagined. And making our living rooms <laughs> into studios, you know, <laughs> yeah. I have, I have five cameras. I have my personal camera. I have my, um, one from the station. I have two of my phones and I have a GoPro. So it's just like, just trying to utilize everything, which is really fun. And I get to edit from my couch while I'm watching TV or I can make eggs while I'm waiting for an interview. You know, it's just, it's funny how it's completely shifted for its advantages, but also disadvantages. Like I miss my coworkers. I miss talking to people. I miss just going into the newsroom every day, you know, but it's week two working from home. So we'll see how long it lasts, but um, it's definitely been uh, wow. What can we do? How are we doing this? And we're doing it. Well, I think you have the right attitude to try to find a silver lining in any hand that we're dealt out there. And I'll say this too. It's also being in Buffalo might've been a little bit easier, not venturing out as much during the winter months, but now it's starting to get nicer. So hopefully by the summertime, this will start to get at least till semi-normal anyway. Now you mentioned creativity. My boy, Matt Beauvais, I love that dude, man. And you know, his, his whiteboard with a different saying every night has become like must tune in. Now I'll let you know this too. I'm in Florida, but I have a sling player through my brother. I don't want to get into all the technical aspects, but long story short, I watch probably more Buffalo local news now when I live in Florida than I actually did when I lived in Buffalo. Oh, so I've been watching that. Anyway, my point was this, when it comes to creativity, because you talked about that, some people just are doing it right. And Matt's one of those guys. Like, I, again, I'll tune in every night just to see what saying he's going to have up next on his, on his board. That's really cool stuff. Right. And I'm like, Matt, you have to do something like this or Matt, like I'm, I'm trying to think of a good quote to like tweet back at him. Cause I want it to be like epic, but I can't think of a good one. And I don't want to just Google one. So like the minute something comes in my head, I'm gonna be like, you gotta do this, Matt, obviously. You know? <laughs> so what have been your impressions of Buffalo as a city? Now you've become a Buffalonian. You've been closing in on two years. Now, again, you're one of those media persons who lived somewhere else and came to Buffalo for a career. Again, it's been Mm -hmm. close to two years now. So what have been like, what's been your experience living there? What are some of the similarities that you see between Buffalo and where you grew up? Honestly, I I say this to everyone. I absolutely love Buffalo. I think first, I don't know how the universe works, but I was meant to be here. Like this is my city. I absolutely love it. And before I came here, I had two of my college best friends was from here. So I was like, oh, Buffalo is just snow and wings. Like, I don't want to go visit. Like, why do I want to go visit? Then I get a job here and I'm like, oh my God, let's go. So it was great. The whole summer, first summer I was here, they were here too. And they got to kind of show me around and show me everything. And I totally fell in love. There's so much to do here. The restaurants here are better than any other place in the world. And I will say that till the day I die. I love the restaurants here. I love the people. And I think that's what makes this place so different. And you'll hear it all the time. The city of good neighbors. Yeah. But it's more just the genuineness of people. I'd say, oh, I'm not from here. And they're like, why are you here? And I like laugh and I'm like, oh, because I have a job, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, thank you for being here. And I'm like, that's the nicest thing anyone has ever said. Like they genuinely want to see this area grow and thrive and Buffalo really is in its renaissance right now. Well, not with the coronavirus and everything, everything's on pause, but it's just been absolutely incredible to learn about the culture here too. Like people love Buffalo. People are so proud of Buffalo and it just is infectious. It makes you want to be all about it. Like when someone says Buffalo wings, I'm like, it's wings. Like it's not Buffalo wings, you know, it's just the little yes. things now that I'm picking up on that everyone else says, but not when you're in Buffalo. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really becoming a local now. <laughs> and even my friends, even my friends are like, oh, why did you choose Buffalo? Why are you in Buffalo? I'm like, I have a job, but it's also so much fun. Like you need to come visit because it's great. And every time they come to visit, they're like, wow, they're shocked at how great it really is because it doesn't have that, I think. It's getting there, but I think it still needs to 
needs more word of mouth to go out being like, yeah, Buffalo's a great city. Like come and visit. It still has that just snow and wings reputation, but I've honestly, I've had a great time. I live right in the Elmwood village too. So I really enjoy just like shopping, going to all the breweries and the outer Harbor too. love the waterfront. So it's just been a great, great time for me. Well, Two things that you said that really stick out to me that make Buffalo great. And I don't want to make this an anti-Florida rant whatsoever, but there's two, <laughs> things, there's two things that I need to point out that really separate Buffalo from a lot of other parts of the country. One is community. And you hit on that. I'll tell you, man, you, you take things for granted at the time. And I'm sure there's some things maybe about where you grew up that you might've taken for granted at the time that maybe oh, now sure. because you don't live there, you don't anymore. With me, community is a very big thing. I'll give you a quick example. If you you said you were living in the Elmwood Village, I grew up right near the Elmwood Village, by the way. Right. You know, if, you're, if you're down, if you're in the uh, street and you have a, a flat tire, somebody's going to come help you sooner than oh, later. Right. Odds are in Florida, <laughs> people are going to be walking <laughs> and driving past you for quite a long time before, before somebody cares. It's just the way it is. People in Buffalo is more community oriented. And that's mm-hmm. not, it's not perfect. I mean, there's shit balls in Buffalo, just like there is in every part of the country oh, as yeah. well. But you know, in Florida, it's more generally speaking, people are just there for themselves. And it's not saying they're necessarily mean. It's just everybody keeps to themselves. Whereas Buffalo, it's kind of right. like ride or die together. You know, you're in this, yes. if it's, if it's like the coronavirus or if it's a, a Bill's Super Bowl run, whatever it may be, it's like you experience the highs and lows together as a community. And then the other thing, and you hit on this too, is wings. And, and stuff like that. I'll tell you, the food is the best in Buffalo. And I'll be honest with you. When I lived in Buffalo and I heard about everyone else up with the wings, I'm like, whatever, dude. Wings are wings. No, they yeah. ain't. Because when you go yeah. to Florida and you got to kill somebody to get some good chicken wings, that's mm-hmm. when you start to realize how good it is. And it's obviously not just wings. It's about pizza, all kinds of food in Buffalo as well. But I'm going to circle right. back to that because I'm a very big chicken wings guy. Everyone who follows this podcast, they know that. To a lesser mm-hmm. extent, pizza. What are a couple of your favorite spots right now, especially when it comes to wings? Like, where do you like to go for wings? So wings have been my favorite food since I was like five years old. So I always say it was destined that I came to Buffalo. Even my mom says it too, because she knows how much I love wings. So I've been a big stickler for places, like the places you always hear about. So right now, my favorite medium wing is 9-11 Tavern in South Buffalo. <laughs> yes, yes. Best, best flavor perfect hotness and how it's cooked, how it's cooked. I'm big on because if it's dry, get out of here. It has to be crispy, but not overcooked. If you overcook a wing, it's you're done for. I don't care how great your sauce is. It has to be cooked perfectly. So 9-11 gets that. But Barbell, I think has just the best wings, whether that's like their honey butter barbecue or their medium. Great. But the medium wing is 9-11, but the best wings are barbell, just the honey butter barbecue. The Cajun honey butter barbecue is just amazing. And their blue cheese. Fantastic. I knew now, I was going to like you. I knew I was going <laughs> to like you. Go ahead. I'm, I'm very particular because I've taken like this very seriously. Wings are important here and I want to find the best. Gabe's gate, I think is a little overrated. <laughs> yes. Not lie. yes. Because one time I had they weren't that great. The other time I had them, they were fantastic. So I'm like consistency. I don't know, but they get so much hype. So I feel like I can't really diss them. I also think a sleeper is Thin Man Brewery has really good wings. The way they cook them and the crispiness is fantastic. So a lot of people don't talk about their wings, but I love them. Um, Doc Sullivan's in South Buffalo, I think have really good ones too. And I'm forgetting a main one. Which one am I forgetting that I love too? Uh, Elmo's uh, is a pretty popular one. I don't know. If I haven't been Elmo's. there yet. That's the one I really want to go to, too. The trendy Elmo's. one, the trendy one going on now, which by the way, I want to take some credit for helping discovers Macy's place pizzeria. It's a small little tiny pizza place yes. in Chittawaga, but oh my God, they have incredible wings. Me, Marcel, um, from ESPN, Nate, Gear, Nate yep. Gary from WGR, we rave about this place. We had the wings there before. They're just, uh, they're awesome too, but I'll tell you what, yeah. you could, if you threw out this entire interview, which I've enjoyed this entire interview, but, and you kept <laughs> only this four segment, only this four minute part of this segment, it's a yeah. winner already, man. Hot <laughs> oh taste with Becca on the wings. I'll tell you what, 9-11 is literally my favorite as well. And I also, as soon as you said Gabriel Gates is kind of overrated, I'm like, you won me over. You know, it, it's just like, it gets the hype, but 
I don't know. I just haven't had the experience like I had the other places. And I don't know what it is, but it's, you know, it's just what you like, what you like. Love Macy's though. Their Instagram is fire and literally made me get one of their pizzas. And the owner's awesome too. And the chicken finger pizza, absolutely to die for. Like they know what they're doing. Macy's is one of those places that I really love a, a success story, a mom and top mom and pop type place. You know, not a lot of overhead, not a lot of ton of advertising. They're one of those places that really built a reputation on word of mouth and right. just good food. And, it, and now it's one of the better known places and it, and it deserves to be. And I think they just really took advantage of social media too. Sure. And how they just grabbed onto that and have exploded just from their Instagram, their Twitter, their Facebook, they really capitalized on that. And you can see it going from not only word of mouth, but just social media presence. If you have it, you're golden and people are going to be talking about you. You you heard that Nick, Nick's the guy we're both talking about here. You're going to hold yeah. back a little, little piece of the pie here as you continue to grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Oh, last, yeah. last question here. And then we're going to end with the traditional mini lightning round. I'm going to ask you the age old <laughs> advice question. A lot of people who listen to this podcast, they might be aspiring journalists like yourself. So you never know who may be listening that you might influence for anyone out there who may be interested in having a career in the same line, the same field that you've covered for yourself. What's the best advice that you can give them? Oh, this is always a really good question, but I always say just never doubt yourself and just say, yes, just do everything you possibly can. Any opportunity, even if you're hesitant, just go for it. Cause the experience the saying yes, the talking to people, the follow through is really what's important and what's going to make you stand out. If you meet a reporter that's an ESPN reporter and you're like, hi, like I would love to talk to you one day. Sure. They give you your card and you never call them. What's the point? You just wasted that opportunity. Like call them, talk to them, engage with them. That's the best piece of advice is just don't doubt yourself and just be that go-getter and say yes to everything and take advantage of every opportunity, no matter how small, no matter how big it really is, because that's what's going to set you apart, but also just give you the confidence and the advantage over all of the other people that are trying to do this job too, because it is very competitive. So that's honestly what I've kind of just gone with, just kind of saying yes and just doing anything and everything I can to just be a go-getter and just try and do it. That's great advice. It really is. All right. So let's end mini lighting round. Here's how it works. I'm just going to ask you a bunch of random questions. Not a lot of deep thought required. Remember the first thing that pops in your mind, that'll be your answer. I love doing these. I love ending the interview with these and I do it the first time. Obviously I have somebody on. It's been a minute since I've been able to do this with someone. So I'm kind of pumped about hearing what you're going to say as well. You good to go? Oh God. Yes, I am. I hope so. (laughs) All right. Who's your favorite all-time athlete whose name is not Tom Brady because that one would be too easy. Oh, come on. Um, well, Mia Hamm, I grew up being obsessed with Mia Hamm because we both have the same birthday and I wanted to be a famous soccer player at one point in my life. So I loved Mia Hamm. Okay. Favorite city that you visited? Um, Amsterdam. Okay. Who was your first celebrity crush that you can remember? Well, besides Tom Brady, it was David Beckham and Nick Jonas. <laughs> okay. What's like your late night go-to snack? Popcorn. I could eat popcorn for breakfast, lunch, and dinner 24 <laughs> seven. Okay. What movie have you probably rewatched more than any other? Probably She's the Man or which is like an Amanda Bynes movie or like Sweet Home Alabama. I love corny love reality. I still watch it a lot. It's on TNT all the time. So I all the time (laughs) and I'll never like change the channel because I just I know exactly what's going to happen. But I love it. If you needed some quick money and you had to get on a TV game show that you feel like you potentially could dominate it. What would it be? Now it could be a game show that's on TV now or something from the past, but a team TV game show you feel like you could dominate. Family feud. I would love, we used to have the game. It was like play your own when I was little and we would play it as a family. And I just loved family feud. I think it would be so much fun. Okay. Now we're in the Elmwood village. Instead of taping this 1300 miles apart, let's just say (laughs) we're at Coles or goodbye right now and karaoke is going on. And in this world, you're like an awesome singer. You're the best singer in the bar. So I say, I am, Becca, get up there, man. Grab the mic. What song are you going to sing 
or rock out or maybe a slow jam, whatever it may be. Something that's going to get the crowd going on their feet, singing along with you. Like what would be your signature karaoke song? Man, I feel like a woman. (laughs) It's always my go-to, but it's so overdone. But I really like um, Gaslighter by the Dixie Chicks. They just came out with it. So I think I'm going to make that my new, like, man, I feel like a woman Shania Twain song. (laughs) Okay. Last couple here. So if you, and and this is tough to imagine because going back to 10 years old, the Rebecca show, it seems like this is what you've (laughs) always wanted to do. But let's just say if you never got involved in this industry or it's not working out, whatever it may be, what do you think you may have wanted to do with your life? I really wanted to be a teacher. I always loved like routines and setting things up and creating classrooms for like my stuffed animals. So I probably would have just gone into education, realized they don't make enough money and went into business or something. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your favorite Twitter follow? Now that, that might be a loaded question, a little unfair to answer, whether it's somebody or an organization, whatever it may be. If Twitter said, you could have a billion followers, but you could only follow one Twitter handle and that would be it. We're taking all the rest away. Who's your favorite one? So this is really funny because this kind of just popped up this week. The National Cowboy Museum and literally I think it's Texas or Tennessee, wherever um, they have their security guard doing their Twitter because no one's there. And he's the only one there because it's shut down. And he's like the old dad that gets Twitter and has no idea how to use it. So he just does whatever he thinks. And it is hilarious. Like his dad jokes. And then he'll just sign it off. Like, thanks, Tim. Like, I hate, like, I love, I hate when like old people do that, when they have to like, even for text messages, be like dad or like Roger. I'm like, come on. Like it's a text messages. I know it's you, but he's just so funny. So anybody needs a good laugh and to learn about like cowboys and, Anything about that, he's, that follow was one of the best I had all week. Okay, cool. I'm going to have to check that out. I haven't seen that. I know. It's so random, but it's so fun. <laughs> all right. Last one here. The same one I always end these interviews with. You could have three dinner guests from any era, dead or alive, doesn't matter, any point in history. If you could have three dinner or three people at your apartment, there's no coronavirus going on, three people over to eat, have some drinks with, chill out, have conversations, whatever, who would it be? I'm a huge like history geek. So I would love like Cleopatra from the Egyptian time just to learn about how life worked. Okay. JFK, I think would be so fascinating to pick his brain about everything he knew. Pretty much any president, because I feel like there's all these secrets about being president and I just want to know all of them. (laughs) And it's probably just from national treasure and loving that. But I just think there's so many secrets and I would love to pick their brains. And then of course, Tom Brady, because I would love to talk to him and meet him. <laughs> well, two out of three ain't bad. I'll let's just, yeah. <laughs> just leave it at that. No, yeah. Good stuff, though. All right, everyone, follow Rebecca on Twitter at Rebecca WKVW. Of course, check out her work at Channel 7 and RebeccaThornburg.com. Dude, you brought it. The wing takes. I love it. You're one of you're not one of my favorites to, to single oh. out 9-11. And especially to to come out and, you know, that's a hot take. To say Gabriel's Gate is kind of overrated. I respect that, man. Much respect. Thank you so much for doing this. No, thank you. I appreciate you having a Boston lover on here. I know that's kind of tough because the minute someone hears that, they might tune out. But if you're not tuned out yet, thanks for listening. And thanks for having me. This was a super fun conversation. All right. That was Rebecca Thornburg. Very good job. And I'll tell you what, man, what a breath of fresh air she is. Wow. Everything going on in this world right now with this virus, this country, just to be able to hear some positivity, to have a nice conversation with somebody, light, informative, entertaining. I don't know about you, but I kind of needed that today. That was really good. By the way, major props to Becca on her chicken wing takes, because I'm going to tell you right now, being just in her mid-20s and in Buffalo for less than, what, not even two years now, totally expected her to come at me with something about anchor buyer duffs. That would have been the norm, but not her. No, 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 no. That was really cool. 9-11 being her best. Couldn't agree more, obviously. But even more impressive than that, not afraid to have the hot take. Gabriel's Gate, at least somewhat overrated. I agree with that 100%. 
anyway, that was really, really cool stuff with Becca. That was, I'm so glad that I had her on the podcast. That rare non-sports guest, which I've been telling you, I'm going to start doing that more and more on this podcast. And speaking of which, at the top of this episode, I said, and I wanted to save it for following the interview with Becca, that I was going to have an announcement about the future of this podcast. Well, here it is without giving away all the details. It's not that I don't want to give it away. It's that I'm still fine-tuning the last couple things here. This may have been the last episode of this podcast that you listen to completely as is. Again, I got to still fine-tune a few last-minute things, but you can expect either next Monday in a separate little maybe 5 to 10-minute pod, or if not Monday, absolutely on Tuesday's normal episode, that's going to be an announcement that the name of this podcast is going to change. The branding of this podcast is going to change. The format is relatively going to stay the same. In fact, even more so than ever when it comes to a focus on Buffalo, although it's not just like today, not exclusively about Buffalo sports, but the focus is going to be even heavier going forward on Buffalo. Again, you're just going to have to trust me on this. Stay tuned either Monday, if not Tuesday at the very latest. I'll add more information on that. And then the last thing I want to say, and I'm not revealing anything that you don't already know here, but I can't emphasize this enough. If you're listening to this, this is just common sense. Please stay safe. Now, I know the majority of listeners of this podcast are Buffalo sports fans, and I would assume live largely in New York State anyway. We all know how it is. Dangerous. It's the epicenter of what's going on right now. But there's places all over, obviously, where this is getting more and more dangerous by the day. Now, I'm down here in Florida, as many of you know, and we have the biggest idiot, I'm just going to say it, an idiot, clueless, stupid governor who it took until Thursday. In fact, actually, it's midnight Friday when it kicks in to finally shut the state down. Finally. And I'm going to tell you, I've been practicing social distancing more than most. I have COPD. I'm not going to lie to you. I have anxiety over this. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be around my own family, let alone other people right now. I take every precaution necessary. I've been out driving around to go to a store. Sometimes I just get in my car. I clean it. I wash my hands and I just want to get out of the house. So I drive by myself. And I'll tell you, a lot of parks have been still open down here in Florida. I drive past a playground with a basketball court, and I'm not exaggerating. I've seen 15, 20 people minimum playing basketball still today. After all the information that we have and everything that's going on, and it pisses me off if you have this virus, whether you know it or whether you don't, and you're living carelessly, you're directly impacting the lives of others. You might, not knowingly, I'm not calling you a cold-blooded killer, but you're contributing to, to more death in this country. Because you're not following the rules. So please, 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 please stay safe. I miss sports. I miss my friends. I miss my family. I miss being able to go back. I was headed back to Buffalo this month before this happened. I was going on a visit. I was going to take some shows. This shit sucks. It sucks for everybody. It really does. People are losing their jobs. People don't know how they're going to survive. I understand all that. It sucks but it's only going to get worse. And especially if you're not doing your part. So please, please, again, I'm not a preacher, but I have to say it. Just be safe and be careful, please. All right. So now that I'm done on my soapbox, although I very much mean it, that is going to do it for this episode. Very, very big thank you. One more time, Rebecca Dornberg. She was awesome. Also want to thank today's show supporters, Audimute, Sounds Assured, and of course, 26 Shirts. Got a couple new episodes next week. Again, there's going to be some major changes, and I'll have that for you next week, so stay tuned for that. If you have not subscribed already, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that stuff really helps me continue to grow this podcast tremendously. Also, you can catch us on YouTube. Look up Analytics Podcast. Got our own YouTube channel. Some highlight clips up there from current and past episodes. Some original audio content as well. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I'm there literally several times a day interacting with people. I love Twitter. So hook me up there. 
And look, last but not least, I say this at the end of every every episode. I got to thank you so much. I appreciate each and every single person that's taking time, especially now more than ever, listening to this podcast. There are billions, it feels like, of podcasts out there. New ones popping up every day. Especially now, people are stuck at home. Everyone in the world wants to start a podcast. So when you're tuning into this one, it means so much to me. I'm very humble, very grateful, very appreciative to each and every single one of you. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend one more time. Please stay safe. New beginnings for this podcast starting next Tuesday. So stay tuned. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.